Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's I'm Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. And look, let me get real with you people, first of all. Some might say the past two weeks, the podcast has been a bit, I guess, unorganized would be a fair it's, way of... It's been lower than a bilge rats, matey. Or like that, yes. Um, and I know I said, look, probably going to be back to normal this week, and... Unfortunately, it looks like we're going to have to wait. And oh, I'm just kidding. With me, as always, DJ Mark. <laughs> so, hey, thank God. All the right. hands on deck this week. <laughs> we have the whole crew back. Mike, feeling we were going to be too organized this week, is going to go pirate immediately. Our matey. Mike. I'd be wishing you a happy National Pirates Day. There you go. Yo, do you remember in uh, Facebook? Actually, where you could change I'm a little dizzy yeah. now. Yo, you ever try to do like the Macho Man accent for too long? You try to like do that thing, man. You're gonna fucking shit your pants or pass out. It's gonna happen. So <laughs> while while the theme music was playing and I was muted, you guys may have seen me making different faces. Mm-hmm. That was because as I was test resting. Uh, test running it, I realized I was starting to sound a bit too macho baddie, mm. so I had to like make sure to get the, the voice just right. I think I macho- Mike was doing like vocal exercises, like he gave a shit, <laughs> and it was just <laughs> so he was pirate fit for the first But after some, after some tries, I came to an accord. Right, uh, but it was bad. pretty good. Was, I'll was, give you that, that Mike. It was worth it. It was yeah, worth not the bad. exercises. Uh, you got there. Um, I think my voice is shot. Yeah, guys, uh, DJ episode. Mark is back. So Yay. hopefully we won't Thank forget the basic segments of the show. Ideally, when he's here, at least, you know. You are you are very missed, Mark. Yeah. Oh, thank you. We, we can only hope. We'll see yeah. how it goes. Yeah. You missed Mark and I pretty much. Mike and I just slobbering over Nate Diaz for like two weeks straight. It's pretty oh, great. I, I missed some good stuff while yeah. I was gone. That, that, was, that was some cool stuff. Um, all right. Um, well, guys, great that Mark is back because, well, there's, there's nothing going on. Um, well, nothing going on in terms of fight announcements, but we have a very consequential MMA retirement, and I want to emphasize the word MMA here, because uh, Jose Aldo Jr., the king of Rio himself, um, is retiring from MMA and has mm-hmm. been released from his UFC contract, meaning he is free to go do his thing other places, man, and... um I guess we can speculate all this way so I want about where he's going and all that kind of stuff and yada yada YouTube boxing disc, you know, yada yada that. But I guess just really, I mean, Marcus, just, you know, we're losing, I would say, and I'm going to I'm gonna say he's the greatest featherweight we've ever seen. And the only reason I'm going to actually agree with that statement is because Max Holloway said... When someone asked him if him and Volkanovski is for the title of who's the best featherweight ever, he's like, no, nah, it's it's Jose. It's Jose Aldo. So we're the greatest featherweight ever is retiring from MMA. Um, I guess just what a legacy is what you got to say, right? 
Yeah, no, he really exploded on the scene in WEC. I think that's where I think the majority of the fan base probably first saw Jose. That's definitely where I was introduced to him. Um, and he ran through that uh, 145 division, you know, winning the belt off Mike Brown, um, his classic fight with Faber. And then, you know, once the UFC kind of gobbled up that organization um, and they basically, I think they made featherweight after getting WEC because WEC for those times was really the lighter weight organization, 145 and 135. They had the best fighters. UFC didn't have those divisions. Once the UFC bought WEC, folded those divisions in, Aldo, I think I think they automatically gave him the belt. Right? Yeah, they, they had a whole ceremony. The they, they they had that whole bit. Remember, um, and Ariel talked about it on uh, this weekend, this week on his show. Mm. He said there was that whole video they put out of Jose Aldo buying his first ever suit, and it was like the most yeah. endearing shit ever. And then they went and had a whole ceremony for him where they gave him the belt, you know, to say he was the mm -hmm. champion. Which is, of course, one of those things where, like, when Connor was going after him, he yapped about, "Oh, they gave you the belt, blah blah blah." But at the time, it wasn't a question. They bought a, pro they ran the promotion. Of the yeah. legitimate featherweight champion of the world. <laughs> it, there really wasn't a lot of other divisions that had strong 145ers. I think K1 with Yamamoto might have been the only other organization that had a 45 division, I think. Because he might have been 35, too. Yeah, you got to be thinking it'd be res regional beyond that. Because like you thought shit like the Tachi Palace and stuff had lower weight classes, I'm thinking. And that's I'm true, pretty too. I'm yeah. sure Kid, Kid Yamamoto came to the UFC not too long after they introduced <clears> the lower weight classes and lost. I mean, granted, he yeah. lost to Mighty Mouse. Yeah. Um, in retrospect, if you want to talk about an interesting time, the WEC actually getting folded into the UFC was something I actually think they did a really good job with and treated everybody involved as, like, not lesser than, obviously, because they owned the promotion. Mm -hmm. And um, some of the stuff Jose Aldo did, you're probably going to... We're going to get more specific, I think, when we talk about... None of you, by the way, gave us a good, a better name yet. And I don't know if Mark's got a better name for Fights We Like, but... <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, Fights We Like, when we talk about Fights We Like, I mean, spoiler alert, there's going to be some Aldo in there. Some of his, you know, things. But, Mike... um, I'm pretty sure you saw you came in just as Jose Aldo as a fan. You came in just as Jose was really popping off because I think 2010 was when they had the first WEC pay-per-view, um, which off the back of the WEC pay-per-view of uh, headlined by Jose Aldo and Uriah Faber was really what helped prompt us getting into the, you know, them getting into the UFC fully. Um, you saw this man's whole rise and, I guess, fall and then shit rise again. I mean, what's your take on this man, you know, on the legend here? <laughs> yeah, I I now remember that Aldo, Aldo Faber happened while we were in law school. Mm -hmm. I think I remember you being really, really stoked about that when when it happened. I, I remember, remember I was being, really trying to sell you yeah. and you're like, why is this a different league? Like you were trying to get wrap your head around that shit, I remember. <laughs> yeah, and I... Now I can't remember if I watched it with you on at another point, but I think I remember watching it with you and just questioning, like, that guy's getting kicked in the leg a lot. It looks like that hurts. Yeah. Um. So that was my introduction uh, to 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 Jose Aldo. Um. Him when he was just blasting leg kicks and and making Faber's uh leg look like grimace from from McDonald's. Uh. He he was fun to watch. Um, I don't want to get into my fight I like yet, but I think one of the main things that I admired from his career was that after he started getting clowned on um, after the, the McGregor fight, 
he rebuilt himself and he made himself a champion once over again and a perennial title contender years after people thought that he should be done. So, you know, hats off to him. Hopefully we see him fight in Triller. He'll likely be on the undercard well, the of the Jake no Paul fight. Triller's got no money. Uh, the Triller's Wait, gotten, who, Triller's gotten doing, sued so Jake many Paul's fight now? Uh, Showtime's had the last couple. He's on a real promotion. Huh. Dude, Triller is getting sued so much, Mike, that I'm worried about all my AEW pay-per-views be, be, that I own through Fight TV because that's who Triller owns, Fight TV. That's my biggest worry at this point. I'm, I'm just thinking, Mike, you and I, when we buy these AEW pay-per-views, definitely for full price because we're definitely in Canada. Um, of course. But, like, I, I feel we're just paying to keep the Triller Fight Club alive. <laughs> like, that's what's happening here with the Fight TV not cut to of get, it. Not to get off topic, but... That first thriller, that first thriller card, when it just seemed like they were just splashing all the money around, we just thought this is ridiculous. How are they paying for all of this? I told you there was no way. Like there was no mathematical equation for this turning a pro. Like, there was no way you're paying Bieber, also, and this is all going to work out. Um, but Marcus, anything else? I mean, Jose Aldo. Do I guess we can just wildly speculate if we want? But I think it'd be cool to see him in some kickboxing. I don't know if there's dudes that size. That's I haven't watched Glory in a while. Is the problem. So I don't know if there's a dude that size that is like in there in kickboxing that hasn't thought about just like, I'm going to go to MMA now, you know, like, I, I I mean, Jose with hands, just boxing is cool too, but he's such a good weapon with his leg kicks that like, I'd like to see him kickbox. I think it'd be cool if he's going to do it. Uh, it. It's hard to see what he's going to do next outside of MMA because yeah, kickboxing, I, I'm sure glory has a one. 35 or 45 division k1 does but they're just i, I think they're too small piece i don't know if and maybe glory glory could probably pay that yeah i'm looking up their champions to seeing if i maybe at least if i if the guy like i might have rec we might recognize the name maybe um the I mean, featherweight championship know, is are I, there any kind of high I, profile fights so they got are we assuming he's fighting at 145 ish because he's been fighting mma at 135 oh, he's, he's been fighting at 35 that's true um, well they don't have a 35 they go from 121 they don't even have them they don't for men they don't go below uh 143 mm, which they go 65 kilos thing. and then they go up to 155 which i don't really recognize either of these dudes like taijani bestati and that's the 55 guy i mean my yeah. my guy my gut kind of says if he's going to continue continue combat sports Bare knuckle, maybe? Did they have Dude, low enough? They're they're paying people a little bit. I read right. that um Dotson got like seventy five mm -hmm. out of this. Was it or something? Well, that's, right. That? I, that's right. Dotson had a fight. He fought um Ryan Bennett, right? So that that's yeah. they're they're thirty fivers. So they obviously have talent there. That's I a lot of money. Would be I mean, big. Jose gets paid though. Like I mean, I don't think the mm -hmm. UFC. I don't know what the UFC's at this point. The broad whether they give a, uh, last time we saw a real payout, but. I don't mm -hmm. see a scenario where Jose's getting less than a quarter of a million dollars to fight at this yeah, point. I'm right? sure he was bringing in, yeah, like, he's mm -hmm. usually the main event, if not, you know, a co-headliner. So he probably, you know, has a big, you know, paycheck. But yeah, that's the thing is like, who, who's going to be able to match that? I mean, I know he just, wife just had another kid too. I think it was, they were saying his wife just, I think they have another kid now. Maybe he might just don't want to do anything. Yeah, he might just be like, done, done. Yeah. Um, and, and to that, I mean, like like Mike said, I think one of the most impressive things is that he did kind of bounce back. Thirty five at first maybe seemed like it wasn't the best move. He didn't have you know the best coming out par party with Marlon uh, Marais, but like he turned it around. He got three in a row before his last loss. 
it definitely seemed like he still had gas in the tank. You know, he's still fighting at an extremely high level and getting wins over. I mean, they threw him in that. Uh, they lost that fight at elevation too against Marab, right? That was the last fight. Mm -hmm. That was. His I last mean, not that as an excuse. Marab fought at elevation too that night, but still, like Jose was a, a guy at thirty five. Like he, almost, yeah. we were talking before that fight. Like if he wins, is he getting a title shot? Like you know, yeah. Uh, and I mean, it was it was unexpected. Is mostly what I was getting at is that it it didn't seem like. He, he was done after that fight. It was it was not a good performance, but it didn't seem like he mentally was like, oh, that's kind of the last hurrah I have, you know. So it's a little interesting that Wait. he's hanging it up now, but it might be because he has another. Yeah, he was so emotional sure. also after the fight. I, mean, I guess he might have known. He's like, I'm not going to be mm -hmm. champion anymore in this weight class again. There's too many. Yeah, Maybe that could be it. He's like, I can't string another run together. But I mean, honestly, given that we're already talking about it and I know where Mike and I are going with our fights we like this week, we might as well just dovetail into that right now, guys. Um I kind of have beat around it. Mike, my reference to it too. Mark did as well. WEC um, was the lower weight classes for the UFC. I mean, it used to be a full-on promotion, though. Like, Brian Stan was their light heavyweight champion, right, I think? I yeah. Think, like, Steve Cantwell. Had, I think Steve Cantwell was another one. The robot, you know, I that guy. I don't think they had heavyweights. I don't think. But um, they definitely won the low weights. And it was an organization that had been around for a long time. It's where Nate cut his teeth. You know, it's where a lot of up-and-comers. Um, I know, think Nate was of, one of their champions, too, wasn't he? I think yeah. early on, yeah. yeah. So it, it was a California promotion um, that had a lot of talent come through it. Um, and ultimately garnered a pretty decent fan base outside of the UFC. You know, um, they were on, were they on Field TV, Bob? I can't remember. They, they had a TV. They were on Versus. Versus. So they had a TV contract. They were gaining a lot of momentum, you know, and that's probably why the UFC found it fit to to gobble did, them up. Did they buy of... it and then Uriah Faber became a thing? Because, like, early WEC was off the back of Uriah, kind of. Like, really, mm -hmm. you know, he was kind of carrying the promotion. That was around when they bought because they bought it in 06. And I think Uriah mm -hmm. probably, let me see when Uriah became their champion. Uh, they did have a heavyweight champion. It was James Irvin. He defended it one mm -hmm. time okay. and then left to go to 205. Um, they had middle, yeah, okay. Uh, featherweight, featherweight, featherweight. So Uriah won the title, I think, right when Zufa bought it, pretty much in 2006. Mm. So um, we talked about it. The, fir the first ever, uh, first and only WEC pay per view was uh, WEC 48, which was April of 2010, mm -hmm. headlined by uh, Mark was there actually covering it for, I forgot mm -hmm. the name of your radio station. I'm sorry. Uh, me and Steph were there. Yeah, I Steph mean, I, I was doing promotion. I didn't. Yeah. I had tickets. So KC, I was it K? I forgot the name of your station. Um, oh, KS. I don't remember. Sacramento <laughs> State Student Radio. It's, okay. It's a, it's a sports station. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Um. So, yeah, Mark and Steph were there. And this is also a card that Michael remember, remember where Korean Zombie became who Korean Zombie is when he fought mm -hmm. Leonard Garcia and got that classic loss to Kenega. Tug Leonard Garcia by split decision. What a <laughs> stretch that was. Wow, that was a bad... That's only like an old-timer. Leonard has a few of those. But this was April 2010, and they pretty much just booked like, okay, this is our young champion. Jose had won the title in his previous fight against uh, Mike Thomas Brown, who um, probably known more now, Mike, as a MMA coach, mm -hmm. about how good he... he he's, he's in everybody's corner at ATT. Like, he's the only guy from ATT in everybody's corner. But he was a hell of a fighter, too. He was the man who solved the Uriah Faber puzzle in WEC. Um, and he lost his title very convincingly to Jose Aldo, who, and this is 2010, where Jose was only uh, 20, he was 23 years old when this fight happened. 
He was turning turned 24 in 2010. That's insane. Um, and, yeah, and then they're like, all right, we're going to put on a pay-per-view. Let's fucking, what's the best fight we can do? Our biggest star is Uriah Faber. Our biggest, our best fighter is Jose Aldo. Let's do it. Let's do it somewhere where we can sell out, which Marcus, you know, we all know Uriah Faber was the king of Sacramento. Mm-hmm. They loaded the card up with everything they had. They put Benson Henderson, Donald Cerrone as the co-main event. Um, they put Mike Brown, as me mentioned, on there with Manny Gonvarian. Um, Scotty Jorgensen on the card. Anthony Pettis is on the undercard against Eric's uh, Alex Karalexis. Mm-hmm. Right, DJ's Mike. on there. That's right, Mike. Al- Eric- Alex Karalexis is a real person. It's not just Mar- who what Mark has called Alex Caceres all these years. There was a mm-hmm. fighter named right Alex Karalexis, yes. So this was their card, and they really put on like the best fight they could, and they sold 175,000 pay-per-views, which is insane for a non-UFC pay-per-view. Like, mm-hmm. there's UFC pay-per-views that did worse than this. Most of them with Mighty Mouse or Amanda Nunes on the main event. But there are pay-per-views that have done worse than this. And uh, Jose Aldo, he I thought he won all five rounds. Apparently, Uriah might have won a round in there or something. I don't know. Because there's a 49-46 and a 49-45 in there. He kicked the shit. Literally kicked the shit out of Uriah Faber for 25 minutes. Uriah Faber's leg the next day, purple. Mike made the Grimace reference. That was accurate. Beat his ass. From pillar to post, Master Tong, if you guys remember Master Tong, Uriah's coach, was picking Uriah up to carry him to the corner between rounds. In retrospect, I'm so, I, I don't know why we kept going with this fight, Mark, not that I think about it. They must have felt there's no permanent damage to do here, but um, I felt it was, I'm saying you go watch this fight, even though it's one-sided, because it was really um, a culmination of what the WEC was about, I think, everything involved here. Uriah and Aldo covering so many different styles between them. Uriah being a classic wrestle, being the wrestle boxer with good submissions. Jose being a Muay Thai killer out there, you know, um, with the well more well rounded game. Just and then it meant it was really showed Uriah uh, Jose's full skill set. I feel really did because there was nothing Uriah could do to him. Like no takedown was close. Just he was getting murdered, and Uriah and Jose was so fast. So fast. So yeah, um, honestly, you should watch the whole card or at least, I mean, anything that's on the fight pass part, I guess. Because looks like some of these fights didn't get aired, didn't air at all. But um, yeah, I think this would be, this 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 card and this fight was, I think it's, good. it's something as a newer fan. I think a newer fan probably doesn't know a lot about Jose Aldo, Mike. And mm-hmm. I think you're about to point out one of the reasons where a lot of them came in probably and why they don't know that much about Jose Aldo. Um, But yeah, um, that was mine this week is Aldo versus Faber from WEC 48, which is 100% on the fight pass. Mike, yours? Uh, Yeah, so as as Bobby alluded to, I think the fight that most fans probably saw Jose Aldo in was sadly... His uh, most ignominious fight, uh, the fight where he was the most, I guess, embarrassed. And that was Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo. I believe that was UFC 194. Uh, Just Googled it. Uh, December 12th, 2015. At this point, he had been in the UFC for maybe about, what, four years at this point? I think by that point, Mm -hmm. WEC had been folded into the UFC about that much time at that point. And he was a dominant featherweight champion. Uh, He had, for the most part, cleaned out the division. Um, 
I remember the only knock he had for a while was, oh, maybe he has a cardio issue. And then I think he went the full, almost full five rounds against Chad Mendez. I think Chad Mendez went like four rounds. Uh, no, they, he, rounds he, they went, they went, he went all five hard with him. You're right. That was what happened. It was the second fight when he went all five hard with Mendez. Which was the one where he blasted him in, in oh, the Oh, that was one round fight. That was the one round fight. The that second was the one, one is when they went five rounds. And you're right. Yeah. That, that, went, that was the war. <laughs> so that was the one I was thinking about. Uh, and in that fight against uh, Jose Aldo, he uncharacteristically jumped in and he got hit with a, with a counter straight that flatlined him. And I think for a lot of, a lot of champions, especially champions that have been, uh, were as dominant as Jose Aldo was for as long as he was, that'd be it. They wouldn't make it back up to the mountaintop. Some fortuitous luck and, Conor McGregor never defending his featherweight title. Um, he was able to fight for the interim belt against Frankie Edgar at UFC 200, reclaimed the featherweight title, uh, ended up losing it again. But guess what? Long after, as I mentioned earlier, long after people thought that Jose Aldo should be done, long after people thought, oh, there's no way he can make 135, um, especially the the weight issues he had making 145 earlier in his career. He not only made 135 each time, he flourished at 135, even getting up to being a title contender again on multiple occasions. So for me, the reason why his worst, the worst day of his professional career against Conor McGregor is a memorable fight to go watch is just for the perseverance that he had after that to pick himself back up rebuild himself and have another run in another division um becoming Dude, a I, title contender i remember this one and anybody who's a longtime listener of the podcast and mark and mike you guys both remember this when he fought edgar for ufc 200 and we made picks none of us picked he, him he, he, he none of us picked him and he had beaten edgar like a year before maybe like it wasn't that much that long ago a year or so ago and we all picked against him I remember the next stupid. week, we all just looked at each other like, did we all forget who Jose Aldo was? Like, it was like maybe the worst picking this podcast has ever had. Like, I'm, I'm pulling up the article, and Stefan, who wrote it, we actually wrote articles back then, folks. Stefan oh, wrote, wow, we were still writing. Stefan wrote, oh boy, how did no one pick Aldo? <laughs> okay? And then, like, he just writes, we've all picked Edgar. This feels very dirty. <laughs> like... Yeah, man, that was a that, that was the level he was at, though. Like everybody thought, like he's gonna be buried mentally from what happened here. Like Conor McGregor, Mark, Mark, remember he was like on a one year, two year, like min, at least it was two years. I felt of him mental verbal warfare against Jose Aldo, and then they went on that world mm -hmm. tour where he embarrassed him like a bunch of different places. It felt like with his antics and grabbing the belt and you know. Telling him I'm gonna bury you in the desert and all that. And then he did. He did everything he said he was gonna do. Mm -hmm. Coming back from that was a real achievement. Like just yeah, I think it's a stigma back. that definitely lingered on him for a long especially for me. I mean, I, I was hesitant to pick him for a long time, and he definitely <laughs> proved me wrong. So yeah. it showed his staying power that you know that fight didn't completely just crumple him. All right, we all we've done enough of uh the it's been the Jose Jose Aldo show for 20 minutes now, and Mark has got a fight that's uh this is this, this When I came up with this segment in mind, folks, um, it wasn't just for me and Mike. It was really because Mark's got a wealth of MMA knowledge and years of watching this shit that, like, 
I realistically showed up in 06-ish to 08 would be when I really got into this seriously. Mark was like 10 years into being serious about this thing at that point, you know, honestly. So Marcus, uh, what is your first entry? And uh, as I do this, I'm going to update our uh, official spreadsheet we got so we can track these things. But what is your first entry into fights we like? Uh, whatever we're calling this. Yeah, I Bobby has graciously given me old fights, which I'm, I'm a big fan of. That's where I really cut my teeth and where, you know, I have a lot of nostalgia for these. So I'm starting this off not with like the craziest pride fight or anything like that. This is just a good, solid, quick fight. It's three. It's only three minutes and 45 seconds. This is from Pride 10, uh, Return of the Warriors. And this was actually one of their cards, their early cards that I think is like one of the best cards they had, where I think almost all the fights were finishes. All of them were fun, interesting fights. Uh, and one of those fights was uh, one of my personal favorite fighters, Guy Mesger, was fighting then a relatively known, extremely dangerous, but hasn't quite flourished into the killer he grew into in Pride, uh, Vanderlei Silva. Uh, again, this was a pretty short fight. But what I really liked about Pride in early MMA was different looks and different styles guy, guys had. You know, I do think as the sport has kind of progressed, we see a lot of the same skill sets. But like what I loved about Mesger was he was extremely technical, very proficient with his stand-up. He was a great grappler. He was just a really good all-round guy, but he was very technical, very patient, very methodical. Uh, and Vanderlei Silva was very much the opposite. He was kind of, you know, a berserker type. He really got in there, did a lot of damage, really went after the kill. So this was going to be an interesting clash of styles. And what I do like is, you know, over Mesger's stint in Pride, in a couple high-profile fights, he got a little bit more aggressive. And this is one of those fights where he kind of went after it a little bit more. This fight and, and the Chuck Liddell fight, he went after it more. He had some good moments, um, but ultimately uh, Sir came to to both Vanderlei and Chuck. And, I, you know, I'll give you a little hint. I'll probably talk about Chuck and Ortiz later down the line because that was really fun to see a UFC fighter go into pride and with that, uh, with that um, rule set and kind of see how they would flourish there. But uh, if you do check out this fight, and again, it's pretty short. You can find it on Fight Pass, of course. You can also find it on YouTube. A lot of other people have posted it. Uh, what, was, what I always found very intriguing about Pride was they had a less restrictive rule set on the strikes that you could throw. Oddly enough, elbows to the ground weren't permitted. Um, but soccer kicks, knees on the ground, stomps were allowed. In this fight, see if you can find where Vanderlei threw an illegal strike. There's not many of them, but he still was able to sneak one in there. Uh, nothing came of it. No one gave a shit because they're like, this, this this fight's going off. So, uh, but yeah, this was, you know, again, not the craziest fight, not like the most back and forth fight, but just of the, the pantheon of interesting fights we've had over those earlier years. This was one that always kind of stick out as a fun one. So just dipping our toes in. This is a cool one to check out. Again, not a super long fight, fairly short, action packed to the point. It's a good card um, in general, too. Oh, I mean, fantastic. That, I mean, it's got High and Gracie on there, which that is, High and Gracie could be its own section of this fucking thing. Like his it, whole th his whole aura, quite frankly. And uh, look, part of the fun of Pride was that a lot of these fights, you might say there was a lot of can crushing going on. But as a fan that likes to see cans get crushed, it's pretty fun. You get to see some good, fun, violent fights. Um, and Pride 10 was, as I mentioned before, is one of those early cards that was definitely for most people considered to be one of the best ones uh, a lot of stoppages actually i think 
everyone, yeah, all the fights except for the first fight, which is Victor Belford versus Matsui, um, was finished. And that Matsui Belford fight was a fucking beatdown. Belford mm. beat the shit. Yeah. Look, I like Matsui because he's a fucking warrior. Um, and in Pride, a lot of the kind of audience participation or kind of like what they were shooting for was like, look, it, we don't care if you win or lose. Go out there and fucking fight. And we'll give you more fights. And Matsui's was one of those workhorses that, like, he went up against a lot of tough guys. He had a lot of tough losses, but he never gave up. And Belfort put a fucking beating on this kid. Um, I think there's a, a, a good size disparity there, too. Um, but, yeah, up to the, down. This, this was, was uh, I mean, good. this had uh, when Sakuraba snapped Henzo's arm like a twig. I, that was the main event. That Sakuraba was, and Henzo so, this was, this was probably one of the best. Mike, this is when Sakuraba was just hunting down Gracie's. Just living up to that nickname. And he never did ever fight. He he fought Hyen. He beat Hyen too, didn't he? He beat all he of did. them. It was it was that fight was anticlimactic. I think there was like an injury stoppage, so it didn't really get that that resolute. Yeah. But the the Henzo wasn't the and Henzo was at the time outside of Hickson, kind of considered to be the most route well rounded of the Gracies. And you have to remember before this card. The car, two cards before was the Grand Prix, the 2000 Grand Prix, which I'm going to talk about. And we'll talk about Hoist Gracie and uh, Sakuraba, who put on a, a hour and 30 minute fight. There was unlimited rounds and he he won that fight basically from exhaustion, um, beating Hoist. But Henzo was then seen to be like, this is the most skilled guy. This is the guy who's going to give Sakuraba the most problems. But Hein was on this card and he murdered his opponent so that built up that fight too what, was that we'll the first time in was that the first time in like serious mma where i know we're talking about a different fight here but just was that the first time in like one of the big mma promotions where someone just snapped let let a guy snap his arm rather than tap out was that the first one mm, that you remember I, at I least i don't if from memory prob probably the one i remember but there are so many uh, yeah, i mean and, uh, and, and i think boss broke some people's uh, like ankles and stuff in pancreas for That's sure. True. Boss was fucking um, people up. Mike, did you yeah. have you ever seen Guy Metzger fight? That was one of Mark's guys when we were younger. I remember. I have actually never watched him fight, so I may actually look Dude, this fight up. Uh, real talk, the more we've like, the, now that I've been, we've been doing this for a couple weeks now. It's made me want to like. I don't want to give the UFC money, but it's made me want to get a fight pass, like fight for pass, subscription yeah. again. I've like legitimately thought about like maybe I'll just buy for a year again and we like fucking get into it. Like I was just looking at Jose's record and I was like, oh, fuck, dude jumped into Pancrase there in 07, you know, and it, that's on Fight Pass. They have basically the whole Pancrase and Pride uh, library. So it, it's kind of interesting when you look at guys's records, you know, these older guys, Nate Diaz fought in Pancrase. A lot of mm. guys fought overseas. Uh, Nick had, you know, I'm sure at some point I'll talk about Nick and Gomi because that was a fucking classic. Um, but a lot of these guys go overseas and it's interesting to see them in a different look. It's, it's I mean, it's become very one style. You know, UFC has gobbled up all the competitions. It's kind of the only looks there and they put on so many cars. There's really no reason to venture out of this organization. But back in the day, there was just so many different outlets that guys would go into. So it's interesting to see different rule sets, different styles, different production well, I mean, values. Speaking of different rule sets, Mark, some of the news we got this week, and we're here, you know, this was, by the way, was another edition of Fights We Like. I hope you guys like us doing this. I'm really having a good time just because it's making me real nostalgic about different shit. I think it's cool. Like, yeah. Um, but Mark and I were today, earlier today, we're talking about how, I think it's Fedor's promotion. Is, I think that's what it said, right? Does Fedor own no this promotion? Was, I mean, it was a Twitter that was Fedor's cousin. I don't know if I believe uh, that. Maybe that wasn't the case. 
So AMC Fight Nights, which is a promotion, I believe, in... I mean, let me not guess. Let me just not guess. I think it's in Russia. Mm -hmm. Um, Eastern European promotion, potentially. Yeah, it's a Russian MMA organization. Um, They had a rule, Mike, where uh, if a fight was on the ground for one minute, you got to stand up. You said everything gets up. And then Sharedog started counting their fights as exhibition bouts. So they're like, no, okay. We're going to abandon this rule. Like, it made Mark and I, I made me happy, at least, Mark, that like Sharedog is like, one Sharedog has this level of sway, I guess. And I, like, I don't know why like, the organization gives a shit what, how they. Well, I, I, guess, mean, if you, I guess if the Sharedog, if people, if people who go read Sharedog aren't even watching this shit, that might be a bad sign for your MMA porn promotion. If like, you can't even get those people. I, I think, you know, we often talk about Wiki pages and Wikipedia kind of has surpass what share dog has been doing but when you can't find a fighter on wikipedia share dog fucking yeah. has that shit. Has it's kind everybody. of been, i mean yeah and talking about old school mma share dog was the site like if you were into mma during those early days share dog was the premier site you know it was before mma fighting it was before uh ariel came into fruition like that was the place that not only did you listen to your podcast from they had the database, you know, yeah, you I mean, could this is, search all the not, not to there. steal your own story, Mark, but you t- like the time you told me that, like, you were on ShareDog. This was years ago in the forums. And some guy was telling you how this guy named uh, Fedor was like, who was about to fight in Pride for the first time. Was about to fight Nogera, I think it was. No, about to fight Heath Herring, right? That's what it was. He was going to fight Heath mm-hmm. Herring. And they said that how badly Heath Herring was going to get his ass whooped. And you're like, oh, this guy's. This guy doesn't know anything. Whoever wrote this fucking I, thing, <laughs> like, I remember it was it was on a different forum. It was yeah. one of the guys making the Pride FC video game. <laughs> he was on the. I was like, oh, I'll talk to this guy. He's making the video game I'm interested in. He's like, oh, he's gonna fucking smash Heath. And I was like, what are you talking well, about? What are you he's talking about? Top dog, at Pride, but you know, <laughs> um, little bit. Anyway, Share Dog said these fights don't count. And uh, mm-hmm. Mike, I guess in case you were curious in this sport, if there ever is a line that what does or doesn't qualify as MMA. I didn't know there was a lineup until this point either, Mark. Did you? Because I didn't know. This is it. This is the line what, right here. We've had borderline you know, fixed fights. <laughs> since we're going down, you know, memory lane, um, a very popular organization, I think it was Rings, had the same role. It, and I think it was like, it, it has always been like a Holland, or no, maybe it was too hot to handle. There have been some MMA organizations. I think I think it was too hot to handle, or it was like, you get a minute on the ground. No one wants to see two guys hugging each other. They want to see kickboxing, but we don't want to do just kickboxing. Well, we had that so. whole, remember the famous controversy when Elite XC, when Petrozelli was saying that they tried to pay him not to go to the ground. Mm-hmm. And remember, people were fucking, it was like, people were offended like Helen Lovejoy when that shit happened, I remember. Mm-hmm. But like, what about the children? Yeah, but literally, this is the same stuff. Every promotion, promoter, promoters are trying to incentivize actions. And if it's at the fucking, if we're trying to slight the athletic competition, so fucking be it. Like, they don't care I, often enough. I you think know? where they messed up is that they just had it as a rule. Yeah, that, that was a mistake. After a <laughs> like, Pride Pride was pretty good with, like, they stood people up pretty quickly, right? They just did shit. Pride did what they had to do sometimes, man. You know how many guys Vanderlei fought who were, like, had no business being in the tournament at all, but we all knew Vanderlei was going to kill him? Like, Mark will tell you. Like, yeah, come a on. Lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the Pride stuff that's come out with their fight fixing has been less of like okay they didn't tell me to lose they just told me like i couldn't punch this guy <laughs> like you you'll, you'll make you'll make 50,000 more dollars if you don't strike this gentleman and it was up to you if you wanted to do that i mean you got um, I mean, we had that whole coleman kosaka well coleman had the coleman basically said it coleman's like hey man oh, i got to yeah, feed my family it's like okay 
Okay, yeah, buddy. Look, look at Ken Shamrock and Matt Hume. Ken Shamrock Northern Light suplexed him into a Kimura. It was a, like the most badass pro wrestling move I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm like, that can't just happen. You right? know what's that happening right now? Real Mike is thinking right now, Mark, is Northern Light suplex that shit that like Matt Jackson does in AEW and keeps rolling through it? Yeah, Mike, same move. Someone did it in a real fight. Okay, someone did it in a real fight. He, makes, he went on, he went on the train. That's famous. the guy in charge of rules at 1FC right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's who Matthew is. <laughs> he was a judge for pride. Yeah, but anyway, that was, I, I mean, like, that's one of those things where I'm just like, you kind of forget, like, some people, some people forget where this sport came from. With, you know. Sure, yeah. It's a lot changed a lot. Um, but yeah, I guess we could talk about the fights that happened last week, huh? Cause, yeah, might as well. I mean, not to diminish it, we were half an hour into this fucking thing, and we haven't mentioned... Um, and honestly, a very significant fight in the UFC bantamweight division mm-hmm. where we had number four. I believe he was number four at the time. Yeah. Uh, Corey Sandhagen. And they made they made a couple references to this. And he talked about himself. Where he was fighting down in the rankings. He mm-hmm. had been left out of the, you know, ra- the musical game chair- chairs game here. And he had to fight the number 10 ranked guy in the world, took a huge risk and fought Song Yadong. And I don't think anybody was, given the betting lines, Mark, I don't think anybody was surprised about how close of a fight this was, ultimately. Mm-hmm. But I think we all learned Song Yudong is, is, is a guy in this. He's like 24 years old. He is going to be a guy for a while at Bantamweight. Yeah, I mean, we definitely saw his skill set improve a lot. I think in past defeats, we've seen wrestling kind of be the Achilles heel. Uh, guys have been able to ground him, control him, and and win fights that way. And it definitely seemed like, at least early on, that was part of the game plan with Corey was to shoot potentially, you know. And I thought in the early goings to get him down, control the fight, and, and use that avenue to win as other ha- as other opponents have been able to do to Song Yudong. But we found out very early on that it was not easy to take Song down. He was able to basically repel. I think. All of his, I think, I think later in the fight he did get taken down once or twice. Um, but a couple of times when Song went for a takedown, he was able to take Corey down too. His takedown defense was on point. In the standup is kind of where Corey shines the most with his footwork, with his different patterns. Uh, and Song was able to land good punches on him, you know. And it wasn't until I think the big turning point in the fight was the second round where uh, Song actually hit him with one of the best strikes of the night, was a, a nice clean left hook. That had Corey reeling into the into the cage, uh, but then Corey landed a nice standing elbow that cut a caused a massive cut on Song's eyebrow, which was kind of the turning point. You know, the rest of the fight was, how's the cut doing? Are the doctors going to stop it? To the doctor's credit, the cut got really bad, and he continued to let him fight. The corner did a great job stopping the blood, uh, but in between the fourth and fifth rounds, ultimately the doctor. I think I think even Song said that he told the doctor he couldn't see out of that eye anymore, and it was getting. Very brutal. I mean, at some point, you kind of have to cut your losses, and you don't you don't want to cause any like permanent damage or really bad scar tissueing, which probably is going to be something he faces going forward. Um, and the fight ended, which was unfortunate because Corey had been coming back. Uh, the judges had it two two going into the fifth, but at some point, when the cuts is deep and is wide and growing as as it was, you just have. to... I, I couldn't you know, believe it. the the corner man was doing good work on it. The the cut man was doing mm-hmm. really good work. Oh yeah. And but there was a couple of times where like they would just like get in like when they would engage like I think it was the fourth round was it when they got on his back right yeah he was bleeding into his own Mm -hmm. they were all the announcers and I I was it was nice to see uh, DC working a fight night and then Joe Mm -hmm. Rogan is sitting there which by the way I saw that he was well this is what I'm watching the fight with my girlfriend and I go Joe Rogan's there 
oh, he's going to the Canelo fight. And then later oh, on, I'm watching the Canelo fight, and they show me Dave Chappelle yeah. wearing sunglasses inside, Dave. Come on, man. Uh, Dave cool Chappelle guy. sitting next to Joe Rogan, you know, at the Canelo fight. I'm like, mm. oh, there you go. What? Joe's like, well, honestly, uh, Joe's probably like, well, I want to watch this fucking banger. This is going to be a banger, this fight. And it wasn't mm. bad at all, was it? <laughs> uh, with the song the Dong? No, no, I'm talking with the song Canelo the Dong fight. one. The Canelo one, we, I think we all know what we're getting in the Canelo fight. But we'll get to that later. No, that 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 it was it was a good competitive fight. And and like you were saying before, Bob, this was a while he didn't get the W, it really I mean, we've talked multiple times about Corey is kind of one of those top dogs. It does seem now that his path to getting a championship might be difficult. He didn't he, the one thing he lacks is the power, you know him being able to mix in these takedowns to kind of confuse and add some layers to his own game is good. It's compelling, but his inability to actually take the fight down until the fourth round where it really counted and ultimately probably led to the victory. It, it just showed that he hasn't been quite improving at the same rate. Like we saw with Yadong, right? Like this was a huge step up for him and he kind of heed the call and ultimately lost on a cut. But I think he, garnered a lot of um fans he, he, kind, way. He, he fights like a he kind of fights the way like he fights like i mean i can't just say a specific guy he fights that cardio run you out of the gym run you out of the octagon type of style too like he he will finish fights but it's like like a diaz brother like a michael bisping like he was going to overwhelm you with the number of strikes you know if he's gonna finish the Corey? fight yeah that's how he finishes fights he does too a lot of strikes and, 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 and sometimes, some sometimes you get a uh, frankie one though yeah, like it was a wild flashy shit. stuff. Yeah. He's gotten some flashy strikes too, but it, it if that doesn't work early on, it does seem to be accumulation. He was, you know, throwing a lot. Um, but yeah, overall it was a good fight for both guys. You know, it did I think I think Corey's stock might have gone down a little bit, even though he won this fight, just because Song looks so good, you know, against the number 10th ranked guy. Um, it was a difficult, tough fight, but you know, Corey, Corey needed to because he's been having a little trouble. Mike, I talked about it, and I, I think Mark disagreed with me. You might have disagreed with me at the time too, and it's fine. I mean, these are the two best weight classes in the sport, though. Is one thirty-five and one fifty-five. One thirty-five right now is insane. Like how much talent there is. One fifty-five is always like this. Is the difference? Well, one thirty-five is you got you got Aljo a champion. You got him. You got Peter Yan at number one. You got uh, Dillashaw, who's fighting for the title. Mm -hmm. uh, you got Marab, um, who won't fight the champion, apparently. Which I don't okay, they're, they're teammates. Training, right, well, yeah. They all say, uh, let's, let, let's get them paid, okay? Um, you got fucking Cheeto. You got Corey at four. Cheeto Vera. Aldo just mm -hmm. retired. Font. Um, Dominic was looking pretty fucking good till his nose got hit into the next zip code, but that's eight. Munoz is Pedro Munoz. So Yadong at ten. Uh, you got Sean I, O'Malley. Yeah, I was going to say that the fight I'm interested in, if O'Malley, not even, uh, if he beats Peter, he skyrockets, right? Yeah. Like, he might even get a title He's, shot. You, if that. you beat Peter, you get a title shot, period. If he <laughs> looks semi-impressive or can hang with Peter, I think uh, O'Malley and Yadong would be a really cool fight. I'd really Dude, like to see that. that. That's one of those fights they definitely would have done like in like 2006 when we saw like John Fitch versus Tiago Alves. When they that gave a shit about putting on like no, but like, no, like I mean, there's a there's a level of matchmaking here where they're like, we got two 25 year olds or whatever. Maybe we don't have we don't. They're they're going to see know. each other down the line, yeah. and they're going to see each other one way or another. But that's one I'd I'd be excited for. Yeah, or a, um, or a one or one that's more recent than the one you just the the musty one you just mentioned. Well, we were talking uh, about it, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Cody Garbrandt and uh, what was it, Yair Rodriguez? Way back when they were 
Was it Yair Rodriguez? No, Almeida. Almeida. There we right. go. Thomas that Almeida. shit was eight years ago, too. If you're talking about Musty. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's how long ago that one was. You're old, too, in this thing, bro. Um, this weight class is bonkers. Yeah, Marcus. Um, Corey was, I don't think Corey's going to go backwards from four, but like he didn't really, he mm-hmm. knew himself. Like, and he was asking the people, apparently, Cormier was asking, do you know the scorecards? He asked Cormier, do you know the scorecards? Like, he wanted to know if he won, if he was winning, because mm-hmm. it was such a close fight. Corey is very honest about who he is, I think, almost to a fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he talks about, like, I may not have the power these other guys do. I'm like, hey, man, I never heard Michael Bisping one time tell me he doesn't have the power the other guys did, and we all knew it. Like, mm-hmm. you don't need to promote yourself negatively. Like, your all shucks attitude is not necessary right now, Corey. Like, <laughs> there's dudes with purple hair leapfrogging you. <laughs> Just <laughs> putting that out there. Um, man, 28, UFC 280 is going to be a... You mentioned it, Marcus. UFC 280 with uh, Aljo Dillashaw and Peter Yawn O'Malley. Motherfucker. Mm-hmm. That is... Whew. That's that's in, what, three weeks, I think? That's, I think, I think so, October yeah. 8th-ish? Yeah. Yeah, the twenty uh, second. So it's a it's about a month away. So we um, probably got some weeks here. We got unless I'm not seeing it right, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it's October eighth because there's some gar- garbage coming. Quite uh, frankly, twenty second, October twenty second. Oh fuck me! That's the next pay per view. Yeah, we are yeah, a month yeah. away from the next consequential yeah, card because we got Dern <laughs> is the next one. That card's really bad. We got the Grosso card. That one's really Yo, bad. you're about to listen to us really get in on this Amazon fucking main event next week for your one FC guys. <laughs> Just letting you know, it's going to be the Angela <laughs> Lee show. Okay. <laughs> well, we don't have a fight this week and we're almost at an hour already. So yeah, okay. I think we'll um, be just fine. Uh, real quickly, also on this card, uh, nice quick win for Gregory Rodriguez over Chidi Kawani. Andre Philly and, B- Philly and Bill Algio was a really good fight. Um, I thought Bill was going to win. Andre really, Andre had a really good performance. The split was bullshit. He won two rounds for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about, I think he suffered, I, he didn't say specifically, but he alluded to his partner having a miscarriage uh, in the uh-huh. month, in the weeks leading up to this fight, like three, four weeks out. And it seemed like it was a really emotional time for Andre and he like really pushed through. And uh, that was a big win for him, man. Um, he hadn't won a fight since 2020. Um, three straight losses for him. Or, um, well, two losses in a no contest in the middle there, dude, on eye poke. But that was a big win for him. And um, Joe Pfeiffer from the Contender Series, guys, this is someone to keep an eye out for. He's, uh, he's, he's good. And he talked about, you know, one of those stories you used to hear all the time. About, you know, this guy had no where to live and Dana White paid his rent for a year, blah, 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 which is nice and all. You know, it's cool, but, like, I don't think that's a sustainable model to keep everybody happy. Maybe everybody mm. finds a way to make more money. But that's still nice of him to do that, that he did do that. So, sure. For him to pay rent for this guy. Um, Tanner Boser Boser has eaten himself to heavyweight. Like, he used to fight a middleweight. Mm-hmm. He ate his way to heavyweight. And I don't think this is a sustainable recipe for success. Not trying to be just a dickhead about this, but he's losing a lot of fights. And just because you beat up OSP doesn't mean anything. I'm sorry. Like, it's a lot, a lot. You're, you're, you're too, you're, you're not big enough to be a heavyweight. It was a bad look. It was a, it was a, it was not a good look, honestly. You don't see a lot of guys go up three weight divisions. And then, I mean, we saw the same thing. Was it two weeks? Yeah, it was last, last week with, um, Chris Barnett. And was it Jake Collender? Collier. Collier did that shit too. Collier made his way yeah. up to that weight class. And it's just like, it, it's one thing to go up three weight classes just in and oh, of wait, itself. Okay. But, 
My bad. I might have just conflated. No, he no. He went up from light hand. He, he uh, my bad. I was wrong. I confounded Tanner, I, I, I Tanner with somebody else. But well, honestly, still, I think he's. I think Tanner Boser is not big enough to do this. Heavyweight's a different game because it's not a ten pound difference. He's two hundred twenty nine fucking pounds. Like, it's what a are we 60 doing? Sixty pound difference. You're going from two oh five to a, a max of two sixty five. The other guy outweighed him by thirty pounds and got on top of him. Yeah, like I mean, that was not. Do? I know some people cutting weights. I mean, look, I don't know. I've never done it. It yeah, seems like cutting yeah. weight sucks. <laughs> like it seems like it sucks. I, I feel like if you're naturally like in that 220, 230 range, you're kind of boned, right? Like maybe you can swing at heavyweight. Maybe you can have a unless you're Kane Velasquez, it's gonna be a fucking problem, bro. Or Junior I mean, Santos. Like, like <laughs> we've seen some lighter heavyweights be able to utilize the speed to their advantage to be successful, but it's hard to be su- that, that to be sustainable because when you do get to the monsters at two sixty five. That weight advantage is so much. Dude, if there's no, if there's no way, like re- there's no realistic way to for you to beat the he- the champion in your weight class, you're in the wrong weight class. Like I don't mean just, I mean like physically, it is basically impossible for him to defeat the heavyweight champion of the weight class and the heavyweight champion. Like there's no equation for him to beat him. Just that means you're in the wrong weight class. Um. All right. Um. There's not really anything. There's no card at all, right? I'm not mistaken here. No, we got we got nope. a break. Um. Okay. Let's just want to mention Bellator's on Friday, in the middle of the day. They're in they're in Ireland, in the middle of the day for us, late afternoon for Mike. Um. 4 p.m. start time on the main card. Um. They're going to Ireland. They're going to Dublin. Um. Just want to give a, a little bit of credit to Benson Henderson, man. Um. I don't think. I think Benson Henderson's a kind of a well-regarded guy as one of their stars in this weight class over there, at least at in weight class, maybe one of their more well-known fighters, period. I think it's really a testament to him that he's going to go all the way to fucking Ireland to fight an Irishman with for, like, just a fight. There's no championship. There's nothing. Well, like, looking at the record, he's done it before when he fought Miles Jury. Yeah, he won, beat his ass. So he might... Yeah, he might be kind of feeling like, you know, Ireland's kind of a good spot for him. So we'll see. He's maybe he, maybe he didn't bit. go on the Guinness tour the first time, Mike, huh? He's like, I didn't hit that Guinness tour the first time. He's like, this time we're gonna, <laughs> we got, we're gonna make a whole fucking week of it. <laughs> uh, I guess it's nice that he's doing that. I guess, right, man? Like, I mean, I don't think I think we, Mike, we recognize that his Bellator run hasn't been great, but shows he's a company guy, and I guess they can depend on him to go fight a guy like Peter Quelly out in his hometown. Yeah, exactly. his last his last two fights were also in Phoenix, so it's like, okay, you got you got two for you. It's one for us, Bellator. Now you're going to Ireland. You're fighting the Irish guy, all right? Yeah, you're, you're, acting like, you're, you're acting like Bellator didn't get those ticket sales from him going to Phoenix. Uh, okay, <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah, but I'm Mike, sure. uh, I guess just you know, being a professional, I guess, as you can depend on Benson Henderson to be, huh? That's right. Hopefully, we could depend on him to win a second fight in a row. Are you gonna bet? Are you gonna bet on him? Uh, you know, I'm taking a break from, from gambling. I had to pay for Mets season tickets and playoff tickets last week. So, you know, is this because you took all your Nate Diaz's winnings and just, sh- just dumped them on? Who was it? Uh, which I, football? Team? I mean, I mean, you got to make it hot. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I did win on Nate and then I promptly blew it all. Like, <laughs> but you, but you, you just got to You just got to put me I on. Mean, I'm just saying okay. like. I mean, hey, I'm, I'm, I was going to say I'm on a hot streak, but I have a bet right now that all four of these quarterbacks in these two Monday night games are going to throw for 230 plus and Malik Willis is in the game. So that tells you how that game is going. So um, Melvin Manhoff, you all Romero, Mike, uh, I mean, Mark, uh, uh, Melvin's calling it a career. Allegedly, mm-hmm. I legitimately don't believe him, but um, I hope he doesn't get hurt and it could be a fun fight, though. 
I sincerely hope that it is his last fight. And dude's 46 years old. There have been some tough knockouts throughout his career, some really, you know, brain rattling stuff. So if, you know, and this is not going to be an easy fight. Romero, you know, is also also, you know, not a young guy. What's Romero at? He's at Oh, you, you know what? You know what if anybody questions Scott Coker in the book end of this fight, he's gonna be like, What do you mean? They're only one year apart. As if we haven't been I mean, seeing Melvin are. Manhoff's eyes roll into the back of his fucking head since it was on VHS. Like Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it. I think Romero is going to have a lot of tools that Melvin's going to have a hard time, with, especially with the wrestling. Um, but, you know, Melvin is is extremely exciting fighter. Uh, definitely a guy that, you know, in our new segment fights, we like I'll definitely be touching on because he was easily one of my early favorites. Um, but it, it's time to call it, you know, at this age with the amount of wear and tear on his body. Um, let me check. I, his first fight was probably. Yeah, in 95. Okay. VHS. I said yeah. it. VHS. Yeah. Okay. Fighting rings, <laughs> fighting monsters like Bob Schreiber uh, in rings and, yeah, in Russia. He wasn't big, I mean, th- this man has been maybe more on steroids at one point. Look, sorry, Melvin. Calls it like I sees it. He's been on, he's been on more on steroids, okay, before, but he wasn't like he was 250, okay? Like, no. by the way, he'll be on both ends given his style of the uh, fights we like. Because I'm thinking of like the Robbie Lawler fight, maybe sure, the uh, yeah. uh, those the fight with Cyborg, the first the first one, not the rematch. Like mm. he's had some fights that have been fucking wild. For sure, his win of Hunt was great, but yeah, we'll get into. You it. You know what, man? I we we we, I, we were so shitty to the U. I mean, shitty. I think we were accurate in co- lambasting the UFC for the Kamzat uh, versus Nate booking about how this is not this is like not a competitive matchup. What are you doing with this nonsense? Someone's gonna get hurt. Scott Coker is kind of the king of that shit. Like, Scott Coker does that shit all the time. Scott Coker booked this man against Corey Anderson in his last fight. I don't know when Melvin Manhoff made a pass at Scott Coker's wife, but I'm going to guess somewhere between him fighting Yannick Bahati and him fighting Corey Anderson, he stepped on someone's shoe or something at the Bellator Christmas party. Because this is not, come on, right? Like, this isn't legitimate fight. Like, I don't care that he's only one year younger and older than Romero. Yeah, I like, mean, this is not a competitive matchup we're booking here. Like, I think at this age, I think when you get past forty, it's, it's time time to hang it up realistically. Yeah. But um, is what it is. We'll we'll see. I know, how it we turns we liked out. him all to go out fighting Rudy Bears. You know, that's the fight I we mean, like him to go. <laughs> yeah, but I, at least you know, I mean, yeah, Romero is the same age, but there's so much less wear and tear on him. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Mike, uh, UFC doesn't have a card. There's no significant boxing match. There's nothing. There's no big anything this weekend. Any particular reason Bellator's just not putting on the best show they can right now? Honest question. Uh, this happens say, every time, and I wonder. I don't have an answer yet. Well, if you don't have an answer, I don't have an answer. And if Scott Coker thinks this is the best he can do, then who are we to judge? I'm just like looking at whatever their next big fight is. I'm trying to find when that even is. Oh, that doesn't exist. I mean, Bellator has got nubs going for a while here, guys. <laughs> like, until November with Nemkov versus Corey Anderson. Are, are things okay over there? That's going to have to be the topic of this podcast at some point. What is Bellator okay? Like Probably like all these other promotions. They they got a deal with Showtime. I'm sure Showtime's like, just like the UFC. And I mean, look, UFC has the mountains worth of talent. They have almost all the talent, right? 
And it's just like they put on shitty cards all the time. So I think at the end of the day, these streaming organizations are like, we just need product. We need content, baby. And I don't care what it is. It's live. It's going on the channel and you're good. Um, so I have to imagine with the contract they have, they're probably okay, I guess. But I don't know. Hard to say. Um, yeah. Um, I just... PFL's out there. Do I hear PFL signs, you know, good dudes left and right. And I just, you know, they got like things people we talk about and I don't know. Um, anyway, um, should we do stuff we like, guys? Okay. I'm going to so, yes. knock this out just because. Uh, actually, you know, this is going to be more stuff I don't I don't like. Uh, but whatever. It's what I watched. Uh, Canelo Alvarez versus uh, GGG. Just to borrow my, bother Mike, I'm going to call him GGG right there. I'm not bothered. I just uh, found it interesting. Was it Gennady Gennadovich Golovkin? Something like that? I don't, I don't know. know. He's triple G. Uh, Gennady Golovkin. Um, Canelo 3. Watched it with my girlfriend. Um, Canelo being from the same part of Mexico she's from. Um, Jalisco. Um, I was just... It felt like the whole thing felt like they all they half-assed a bunch of the production to me. Because, like, I don't know. I have always, like, they had, like, these weird screens for the T-Mobile arena that, like, a hallway with screens. And then Gennetti, I guess, the most interesting part of the presentation, Mark, was they had a real showman singing the Kazakh national anthem. And by singing, I mean definitely okay. uh, doing lip syncing. Mm. But it was so, he was so fucking into it. That, like, everybody got into it. I'm not sure if, Mike, you were still asleep uh, watching during this part. But, like, Homeboy was into this. Like, he was, like, waving his arms and shit. Like, it was a whole thing. Um, It just seemed like a real, like, lack. They didn't really put on a real show. I kind of expect from all these boxing big fights and stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, the, the Michael B. Jordan was there, but he wasn't like he was doing a voiceover no one, no one was walking out with anybody. There wasn't Triple H, five grows behind dudes and a fake sling. Carrying Undertaker wasn't carrying Manny Pacquiao's belt. You know, there was all these things not happening at this one that I was like, this is real, like, ho-hum shit happening. Um, and then, like, Gennady's 40 years old, man. Like, the f Father Time be undefeated. And he lost the first six rounds, and then he started, like, being like, well, I'd like to not lose all these. And he just fucking started taking risks. And at that point, Canelo was so far ahead. Canelo's like, well, I'm not going to get knocked out here like an like a dumbass. Like, I've won six rounds. Let's win a few more of these at least. It seemed like we were all playing a real careful game of, you know, strategy here. We're like, we're just, I don't want to get knocked out, but I don't want to lose all these rounds. Well, I'm going to make sure you don't knock me out. Like, and I think I had uh, Gennady win three rounds and it was okay. And I don't know. It was just real ho-hum overall. I mean, I won 20 bucks. That was cool. You know, Canelo, Canelo by decision really seemed like the very obvious answer given how the last two fights had gone. Um... Though the first, after like four rounds, I was like, if Gennady doesn't want to, like, if he's just going to stand there, they're going to just stop it because of just boredom, I think, from everybody else. Uh, it was okay. I mean, I might be a little bit harsh. I just kind of thought overall the presentation was kind of weak sauce, especially since they're charging $85 for the fight. $85. And if you're paying that DAZN monthly fee, the pay-per-view is $65, Mark. And you know what the cost of the DAZN monthly monthly fee is? It's 20 bucks. I saw 20 it. bucks. That's what it is. It's 20 bucks. But you are getting <laughs> the great product that is DAZN no, streaming saying, as well. I'm but just, I, I, I do get your point. Like, like I'm just saying, at the end of the day, bucks. they're getting 80 bucks from you one way or another. You know what, man? I'll say this. Like, 
when the UFC charges 75 bucks for pay-per-view and is robs us while doing so, and I recognize there literally isn't only one fight on the boxing pay-per-view, yeah. mm-hmm. but there is one fight on the boxing pay-per-view only because, motherfucker, I've been to one of these. Mark and I, we went to one. We went to a uh, Andre Ward fight. I wasn't there. Everyone I thinks it I was there, but I was. I, really I think OJ was with uh, you. But. I was with my friend. I went to. I went to an Andre Ward fight, and during the co-main event, people are just standing, talking mm-hmm. in the crowd. Yeah. You know, people are just Steph Curry's there. They're just talking to Steph Curry. Uh, Steph Curry was at this too. Steph Curry likes boxing. It's good to know. Hanging out with our boy uh, Juan Toscano Anderson. Juan being Mexican, probably been like Juan's like, yeah, we uh, Steph, we got to go to this fight. Watch our boy. Watch my boy Canelo snooze it up. Um, Canelo wants Bivol again. I don't know if anybody else watched the Bivol, the first fight with Bivol besides mm-hmm. me. Mark, did you watch it? The uh, last I at Canelo least saw fought. highlights. He's just yeah, too where small. He's just not big enough. And I'm like, are you going to yeah. get physically larger, Canelo? Like, what's your plan here? We're going to hit the gym on a, weight, on a weight training program for six months? What are, you, what are we doing? Because you can't be that small and fight a guy that's like, Bivol was big and he was also skilled enough that Canelo's skill wasn't going to be enough to carry him. So... But you know, man's a pay-per-view star. I'm sure he I'm sure each of these guys made 20, 30, 40 million dollars minimum for this thing. So Song Yadong got 20, got probably got 20 grand and a free voucher a voucher for the fucking, you know, Bacchanal buffet at the Caesars Palace to lose that fight to uh Corey Sandhagen. So you know. At least those guys got paid. Um that's what I got this week. Um Mike, what do you got this week? Yeah, I've got a quick one. It's a movie I saw. Mainly because in my TikToking, it kept coming up as like one of those ones where like they'll show a random clip of it. And it was a Chris Evans movie from like 2017 called Gifted, where he's the uncle of like a super gifted kid who can do like super advanced math. And she's like seven years old, eight years old. It was a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, squirted a tear or two at the end, and uh, you should give it a shot if you can find it on whatever streaming platform it's on. Marcus, you've had a few weeks, buddy. I mean, yeah. did you even like through. that they that did you like the G that they got hacked and we all saw G unfinished GTA videos? Let's start um, with that. <laughs> uh, sure. I mean, I think that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, stuff has leaked from developers before. Um, but nothing like what leaked for GTA 6 because this wasn't like a trailer that someone saw that got leaked or something or a demo like this was like motherfuckers working on the game like I don't know if you guys saw those videos but like these weren't like oh let's showcase this new game and make it look pretty it's like motherfuckers working out physics on this shit there's 90 videos of like dudes trying to figure shit out so I mean I think if you know game development this is just how games are made they they look in this state and, and rougher than what you saw in those videos this is not indicative of what the final product's gonna be um so i think in that regard it's kind of shitty that you know a lot of people that maybe don't understand how games are made are gonna see this and be like whoa gta 6 looks like complete dog shit and it's like well yeah it's not done dog like you can't like oh this pizza doesn't look appetizing it's just a ball of dough and it's like yeah there's there's a process to this shit um so i think at the end of the day it kind of sucks that our first look at it at the at the game this huge game you know probably the biggest franchise in the world i think gta 5 is like the highest grossing franchise of all entertainment i mean that's like bigger than star wars marvel movies stuff shit like that i think i mean i think they got that a couple years ago or something so it's unfortunate that 
they've been working on this game for seemingly like a decade. Like I don't remember when GTA five came out, but it came out on the PS3 360 era and we're at five now. So um, it's unfortunate that that's what people's first look at. And we're not going to get like that big reveal where we like, Oh, I remember when I saw the development footage for this and I kind of remember seeing these two main characters. Um, but you know, I'm still, it did not deter my excitement. It's just mostly it's like, okay, they're definitely working on this game. This is a thing that is happening. Um, that's not too surprising, but it's nice to see like actually what's going on. But other than that, it's like, I couldn't really, I didn't get much from watching those videos. In fact, like I kind of just skimmed through. It's like, it's an, there was 90 videos that were leaked for about an hour's worth of gameplay. And I kind of just skimmed through it and I was like, okay, this, this is very much a game in progress. And it's interesting to see that side of the process. Cause you never see games in that state um, being worked on is pretty rare. Um, so that was kind of interesting, but ultimately it's like, whatever it'll, you know, when it comes out, it's going to be fucking awesome. I have all credit to rockstar. They've been a fantastic developer. I'm sure GTA six is going to be, awesome um speaking of games uh over the last couple of weeks there was the tokyo game show which is kind of the last summer uh game conference and usually there's not a lot to talk about but they actually showed a ton of shit this year which was kind of surprising um mostly because nintendo and sony both had little nintendo directs state of place for a playstation so uh the big one for nintendo was they finally revealed uh, the name for the next Zelda game, which they're calling Legend of Zelda uh, Tears of the Kingdom. A lot of people are calling it Breath of the Wild 2. It looks like it's it's a direct sequel to that game. Um, and that's kind of interesting. They didn't show a lot of it, but they did finally give a release date. I think I think it was May of 2023, so there's still a bit of a wait on that. But oh. it's, it's nice to have a date. It's nice to have a name. Um, the name probably won't change. The date definitely could. Uh, but at least, you know, they kind of put a stance of like, look at this is what we're targeting. You know, if it has to get pushed, it won't be the biggest surprise in the world. Most games do. Um, speaking of which PlayStation had their state of play, which is like their own little Nintendo direct, their little showcase. where they get to show different games off and their big closer, not surprisingly was God of War Ragnarok. That one's coming in November. Um, they already released, they released the date very unceremoniously about a couple months ago. And I thought it was kind of. It just seemed like they didn't build any hype for it. It was just a random day early in the morning. They had a video. It was like, oh, well, here's the special edition and all the crap you get with that. And here's this minute trailer. At the end of it, we just dropped the release date of November 9th. And it really, to me, just seemed like it wasn't in a big state of play. There wasn't any buildup. They just randomly dropped this on a Tuesday. Um, at least now they had a state of play. And they had a really cool trailer for God of War. I think a lot of people that are interested in that game, myself included, um, that trailer showed a lot of interesting things that game is going to, you know, kind of build off of uh, and get you kind of excited for. So I thought that was really cool. Um, outside of games, though, I will say there's been a couple YouTube channels and TV shows I've gotten into in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I've been getting recommended this competitive food eating YouTube channel for weeks. And then I finally actually started watching it and I really enjoyed it. And it's kind of been my like main YouTube thing when I don't have any other videos to watch um beard meets food is this uk competitive eater dude has a big beard the whole shtick is mostly going to restaurants and doing food challenges so think man v food from a decade ago but one thing i like about his videos around 10 minutes long at most super condensed very digestible um and he has years of content so there's just been a ton of stuff to go through and watch and it's been really enjoyable okay bob yeah come on. um are you just like the the concept of what he's doing or because like i mean i'm i watch i watch the same 
I guess, a similar type of show. Well, I mean, he doesn't really physically go a lot of places. He's mostly doing it at his house. But I do. I watch Matt Stoney's okay, uh, YouTube yep. channel. Mm-hmm. And I, I love, well, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I guess if you don't get grossed out by watching people eat a lot of food is the key to this. I don't. But, like, I find it interesting. The whole thing, competitive eating is so fascinating to me, just how they physically do it, that, like, mm-hmm. I find it very interesting, personally. Like, what yeah. is this guy like? I don't know. I, I know of Matt Stoney. I don't know what his kind of repertoire is. Because I think a lot of times when you think of competitive eaters, they're, like, big dudes. Like, big. Yeah, this dude's, he's, like, 130-pound Asian Yeah, dude. Matt Stoney. <laughs> and who's the other guy from San Jose? Um, uh, Joe, yeah, Stoney's the only guy to beat uh joey chestnut, chestnut in the last like 15 and, years and basically. the nathan he beat him one time and since then joey chestnut's waxed him by like 20 every time so okay yeah um i mean so the uh beard meets food like for a lot of people i think there are there are those guys that are just big guys and it's like they can consume a lot of food but i think for most of these competitive eaters you have to find this balance of they have to work out a lot. They're because bur- eating this many calories in a day will fucking kill you, right? So they they're they're using it as like their cheat day, almost like the Rock or like bodybuilders would, where it's like for most of the week I'm on a very strict diet. I'm burning a lot of calories working out, and then on these cheat days I'm taking in a shit ton of calories because I'm going to burn them. And that's kind of what he is. Like he used to be a bodybuilder, um, but he's just a fun. I mean, I, what I get out of the competitive eating stuff. And I don't know if Matt Stoney does because I've only seen a handful of his videos is like they enjoy the food, right? Like they're eating the food like this is really this tastes good. And sometimes it does get gross because they're shoving so much. uh, He likes some of them. But there's other times where he's just like, this was so bad. I hate everything about this. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's and there's definitely things where beard meets food. I mean, look, he's he's English. He has a unique, fun sense of humor. I think that goes a long way. Um, But yeah, so I think a big draw is like. It's fun to watch. I mean, it's almost like the um, Mike. Give me no. What, what's the umbak or what do they call those? Those other channels where it's like a Korean thing where they just eat oh, a bunch of food. Uh, mukbang. Mukbang. It, it's kind of in that in that flair, but like it, they're they're professional, right? Like, and they're, they're and I think it's fun. There's a little travelogue to it a little bit. Like, oh, I'm in Canada. I'm doing this food challenge. It's over at this place. He has some nice aerial shots. He's He's joking around with the people at the restaurant. People are coming in. He likes to say, like, oh, do you think I could eat this? And they're like, oh, no, you're so skinny. And then he gets to prove him wrong. He has a good flow to the videos where basically when he's doing the competition, he's just shoving his face. He'll do VO. And he'll kind of talk about, you know, what the rules are for this. It's They're very well done videos, right? They're well edited. They're short and sweet and snappy and super, uh, you know, digestible. And then he has ones where he's doing with other people. He has a lot where his wife's with him. There's just a lot of content to go through, and it is very enjoyable. To that same extent, because I started watching him, there was another channel called uh, Katina Eats Kilos. And what I kind of learned through this is there's another guy called Randy Santone. Uh, I don't think I'm getting his, his name right. But Randy is like the king. I think his whole thing is like he's done the most restaurant challenges. He's completed the most. And Katina is his wife. And Katina's like five four and she's a little bodybuilder and what i've noticed is like she's not quite at the level that beard's at for the food competition but again super bubbly very charismatic very much has the same style of where like when she's noshing on a bunch of food and she's shoving her face of food she has a vo to make it fun and snazzy um short and sweet videos i find them to be both of them to be very entertaining 
um, and just fun, enjoyable watch, especially if you like, you know, I, I think, I think for Bob, I think a lot of what you like besides watch people eat food, you like watch people cook food. I'm not much of a cooker. So I like just people like me. Like, you I'm know, just uh, eat a bunch of food. Oddly enough, um, <laughs> you should talk to my dad about this guy. His name is Mike Chen. Um, okay. he does, he does simply dumpling is one of them. Our friend okay. Phil actually also does him. He, he <laughs> his whole thing. He just travels different places and tries different shit. He's all about like he likes going to like Lawson's and Seven <laughs> Eleven. And Mike's just Mike just perked up a little bit. Uh, he's a big fan of going to Lawson's and Seven Elevens and having like seeing going to, like the gas station like convenience store meals. And yeah, that like he has like seven different channels where he does different shit like that. Um, I I like that style. All those things remind me. I've, I was watching a lot of like uh, Anthony Bourdain clips over the weekend. Sure, yeah. And like he was the king of that shit for me, just because like you travel. Mm-hmm. That's that's more of a travel thing though. Like he. Mm-hmm. You go somewhere and you ask them what's good to eat here, and you learn about the culture. That's why I like it. Yeah. But that's a whole side note. Food YouTube is an interesting place, though. Food YouTube yeah. in general, it's there's big. so many. Like you mentioned, of a couple of dudes there were like, I'm like knee deep in food YouTube, and I hadn't heard of like. I know that's you know yeah, there's so the many there's so much. I mean, people might know like like Babish. Like people seem to know mm-hmm. that Babbishing with Babish guy, you got like five million, ten million subscribers. But there's all these dudes with like a million, hundred thousand, mm-hmm. five hundred thousand who are just you know they got their old communities and they have content. Yeah. Uh, so outside of YouTube, uh, there's been a couple TV shows I've really been enjoying. Uh, the first one I think I talked to Bob about, um, Welcome to Wrexham, is the wow. uh, FX show that's following uh, Ryan Reynolds and Mac. Wait, what's his name? Rob McElroney. Yeah. McElroney. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mac- I think that's it. McElroney, I think. I don't know. Um, they bought the uh, Wrexham Football Club in 2021. And part of the whole deal of them buying that was like, they're going to be shooting this documentary for FX. Um, and again, like I'm not, I've never been super into, uh, you know, the, what, what do they even call the English league or that, that European league? I know the, the main ones, the, the premier league, but it's never something that the championship, the the lesser so, league is called the championship. No, no. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's the, the one right below league is the champion two. league. Not Champions League. Champions League means something very specific. It's called the Championship. Champions League is... Okay. The inter, Championship is, is all outside of, of yeah, did, I know what it's called. I believe the secondary is called the Championship. They Premier the League is the tier. higher. What? They yeah. the and they're in the they're National. Which is yeah. another thing, like, the first episode, they do a really good job of, like, here's this sport, here's this pyramid. It's Premier on top, Championship is below it, then it's League One, League Two, and then, that, then they have a dotted line. And that, like, those top four are professional. And when you go below that, that's semi-professional. These fuckers aren't making much money. And the top one there is nation- is the National League. And that's where Wrexham is. And apparently, you know, according to the show, it's the hardest league to get out of. Because I think the other leagues, four teams get promoted, four teams get re- regulated or whatever. But the National League, only one team gets promoted up. So, like, you have to win that league to go up to the next one. Um, it's been a really fun uh, documentary uh, again not knowing much about the league uh, and i think i basically started watching it because they, they were making the rounds because the show was premiering on late night and i saw him do a couple interviews and i was like oh let me check this out and i really enjoyed it and i think you know ted lasso probably has a little bit to do with that too i think that show is a good primer to get into the real thing but it's also just a really well done documentary that goes into not just the facets of like oh what's it like to run this soccer club but also I mean, maybe even more importantly to the show is like what this sport means to the community and how important it is and how it's impacting people's lives. Um, so again, I really recommend it. It's on Hulu. So there's fucking commercials, which suck, but 
you get what you get, right? Doesn't have to be commercials. You can yeah, be less you got, cheap. What uh, YouTube Live or TV? No, it's not. There's no commercials have, if you have the paid for Hulu. Don't hey, you hey, Mark, is that show still going on? The uh, Welcome to Wrexham. Yeah, it's going yeah. on right now. Two, so, two so, you, so you don't know what happens in the season last year, right? <laughs> I, I no, because I I just read the Wikipedia. Well, I so that's the thing is like they're playing in 2021. I'm not retarded. It's 2022. <laughs> this league's probably over. So at one point I was like, I can't wait. I want to see what happens. So now I do know what happens. Maybe I wish I didn't see it. So it would be a surprise. Um, but I'm still excited to see the documentary because I want to see how they frame it. Um, and stuff well, like we that, but... Look, we all just want season three of Ted Lasso and we're just, this is the void being filled right it's, here, right? It's not bad. <laughs> yeah. If you, if, you know, it, it's a different flavor, of course. But um, so the last thing I wanted to mention, this was something I think, Mike might have talked about this weeks ago. This show, uh, season one ended a while ago. In fact, season two is coming up. Um, and this was purely, I was on HBO and I was like, oh, I heard this show was good. Let me give it a shot and watch one episode. And then I think the rest of our Sunday was finishing the se- the first season of uh, Abbott Elementary. This is, I don't know if it was ABC or NBC. This show is uh, Teachers, The Office, because <laughs> there are so similarities to The Office. It's a mockumentary style. You're talking about Abbott from... Elementary? Yeah. Uh, it's ABC, it and it just won like a shitload of, it won a bunch of Emmys. I'm not last surprised. Um, yeah. A couple episodes in, I kind of realized, oh, the person that created this is the, the main uh, lady that's starring in it. And I think, oh, God, what was her name? Quinta Brunson. Yeah, Quinta Brunson or something yeah, like that. That's her name. Yeah. yeah. She's fantastic. The show's great. I mean, I, I do think the mockumentary style, I personally enjoy, you know, most shows that that opt for that were Parks and Rec or The Office. I can't remember a ton of other ones. Maybe the mayor did it too. Um, I, I like that format. It, it kind of works. I will say there are some similarities to The Office that are like a little too on the nose, but I still like, it's whatever. Like the love interest is so Jim and Pam. It's almost disgusting. Like, you know, the main character is Pam. She has a boyfriend and like, there's this new character that comes in and they have all this tension and they're getting along and what, but like even the similarities aren't enough to be like, you know, maybe I've seen and done this before, but the show is just so fucking good. It's, it's not only that it's funny and it's extremely heartfelt um, and touching. And again, like it was, it was an easy binge, you know, it was one of those things I saw an episode. I was like, okay, I want to watch another and another take a break. Let's go back to it. And yeah, within a day, I, I binged the whole season. So I really can't recommend Abbott Elementary enough, especially if you like those other mockumentary style shows. And I think season two is coming up pretty soon, maybe in October or something. So yeah, that's stuff I got. I mean, I just want to say, Mark, this is really me looking up Quinta Brunson and them telling me that she's going to guest star in the revival of Party Down. And me right now remembering that there is going to be a revival of Party Down. I never really saw all of this Party came Down. together really well. You never saw. I, heard pa- it was, wait. I never saw you Party Down. I heard you it was seriously good. never saw Party Down. That is no, such a Mark show. It was Mark, a that is such a Mark show. show. Uh, stars. It is such a you show. Okay. Like I can't emphasize. Ken I know Marino is a big part of it. St- yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's Ken Marino, Marino for the love of God. He's your guy. Yeah, I should <laughs> check it out. And then it had uh, what's his name from The Office, right? Uh, from Parks. You're talking about. Yeah, yeah. What's his face? Adam Scott. Adam Scott. I yeah, love that it's, guy It's too, Adam so. Scott, Martin Starr, uh, Megan Mullally, Jane Lynch from Glee, mm-hmm. um, uh, Ryan Hansen from, I guess, Veronica Mars would be the best description. Mike, you ever watch Party Down? Nope. I have no it's idea It's hard to sell is. someone on a Stars show, but yeah, like, I think that was the worst like, thing I, like, I don't know how Stars is a functioning channel, to be honest, Power. with original content. Power. 
Yeah, because they got Black Stars, huh? That whole chain. They have a whole channel called Black Stars. I mean, that, that's I guess that's targeting a demographic. Good for them. Uh, they didn't know Rob Paul Rudd is an executive producer of this thing. Uh, it's a really good show, though. It's about uh, a, employees of a catering company. Mm-hmm. It's it's really funny. Um, you, I think it's also created by one of the guys from who made Veronica Mars, uh, Rob Thomas. So uh, stuff we like. Fucking everybody, go watch Party Down. I don't know what it's on. Um, yeah, I'll check. I'll check it out. I'm not sure. Come on, if it's not on something, that means you can just watch it on the internet. Someone's put it somewhere easy for you to find. It's on Hulu. I bet it's gonna be Hulu with fucking stars, isn't it? It's gonna be some bullshit oh, it like that, is. isn't it? It it's gonna be that horse shit. Uh, yeah, it's a star <laughs> subscription. Ugh, yeah, because it says it says on Amazon. It says it's on Amazon Prime Video, but it says premium subscription. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay. Party down though. Um, it might be worth the dollar, the two dollars it is to rent the first episode. Go from there, people. Okay, go from there. Um, all right. Um, long enough show with no fights. Um, so we'll be back next week. Um, we're we're gonna talk about. There's a fight, right? There's a fight. I'm sure McKenzie there's more Dern. than one fight. There's Mackenzie Dern. Oh, the yes, fights we the care, Dern. give a shit about. And uh, Zhao Jonan. And really, yeah. I'm talking about Angela Lee. That's, that's going to be my focus next week. Because I, again, really enjoyed the Amazon Prime uh, one, one on Prime Video 1. Mm-hmm. One, one. Uh, there was a lot of ones. This one well, is... going to be one, one, two? <laughs> no, this is one... On Prime Video 2, Lee go. versus whatever her opponent's name is, 3. I'm not kidding, because it's the trilogy yeah, the stamp, fight. I uh, say they should. No, she's not fighting Stereotex. That's a co-main. If, yeah. if they're going to stay with this one on Prime and then the rest of it, they need to shorten it to like the next one is 1P2. Um, sure. <laughs> it, it's officially, it is called 1 on Prime Video 2, Zhang V. Lee 3. Just a lot one, going two, on, guys. One, two, we can three, do better baby. than this. How easy one, is two, that? Three. One, two, I'm three. watching. What are you doing on Friday? I'm watching one, two, three. It's a good way of putting it. Um, all right. Thank you all for listening. Great to have Mark back. Um, go check out uh, Guy Metzger versus uh, Vanderlei Silva at Pride 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to go ahead and check out UFC 194. You know what? You don't need the fight pass for UFC 194 because it's a, it's a fucking 15-second fight. But you need a Pride Fight Pass for to definitely to watch that Pride video unless you were at Sam Goody back in 2003 like Mark was. Um, it's on YouTube. I, I checked it, it out. It is straight you up can, on YouTube. You can put get the guy Mezger and Vanderlei Silva. The, the people put these as, as I As I mentioned last week, these fights are all on thefightpass.com. Many Absolutely. of them are on the Daily Motion. Just want oh, to point out sure. the, the Daily Motion, the MMA core, you know, the other places. <laughs> you know, they're, they're doing okay over the UFC. I'm not telling you what to do with your money. Um, all right. Thank you all for listening. I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. And that was the inimitable pirate himself, Lavender Gooms. We be showing off. <laughs> Very good, Mike. Excellent. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Listen, we're going pirate talk, huh? This is, this is what oh, we're doing no, now? No, no, no. no. Pirate. This is a little New York guy. Mm. Uh, the last time the Giants, Jets, Mets, and Yankees all won on the same day, September 27, 2009. Right on. Yeah. I do like, we're going to end this podcast with some New York lore. So, yeah. Thank you all for listening, everybody. At the end of the day, there's always some booty. Peace. <laughs>